True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. Hey there, True Multifamily listeners. Justin here. Want to make sure you know about our website, truemultifamily.show, where you can stay all up to date, not only on this podcast, but all of our investment opportunities and other projects we have going on. Sign up for our newsletter at truemultifamily.show. See you there. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I'm your host, Justin Fraser, here today super special guest, Mr. Ken Van Lu. Ken, how are you today? I'm doing incredible, Justin. Just a one, another wonderful day. Uh, I'm so excited that you're on the show. We were just talking beforehand. We've got a Jersey connection. We know a lot of the same people. Uh, so I'm so glad that we were able to connect here today. Yes, yes. Jersey. It's a small Jersey. world, my brother. <laughs> so <laughs> Ken, let's not waste any time. Tell our audience about you and about just some of the incredible things that you've done uh, in, in the past year. Sure, sure. You know, I, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I created a, the six-year plan in college. And after wanting to be an engineer, I, I earned a degree. I became a civil engineer. And in that process, I won a development award and it planted the seed for real estate development. So after doing civil engineering for about a year, you know, I, I went into real estate development and you know, maybe before I dive into career, I just tell you, you know, I've, I've been married to the same person for 38 years. I'm true. I have three wonderful children. I'm CEO of Global Real Estate Strategies and author of the Modern Wealth Building Formula, how to master real estate investing. And I dive, I dove right in, you know, with, you may hear this story a lot of times, your parents tell you to go to college and do all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, I followed their route. And next thing you know, I, I really didn't know what I was doing and studied civil engineering, planted that seed, as I mentioned. And Fast forward years later, you know, I was standing on top of a skyscraper that I built in New York City, looking out, saying, wow, you know, I wonder if I could ever get into real estate. I had, you know, mastered construction and I uh, decided to go back to school at night and get a master's on learning how to finance them because that award I won showed me how to subdivide land and do all the civil engineering. And then I'm standing on top of this 35 story building, looking out at Manhattan going, wow, you know, if I could just get into real estate, if I can learn how to finance these things, I'll do something one day. And fast forward, you know, in 1999, 97, I opened up a company because I always believed, you know, open up a bank account to receive the money and maybe one day it'll land there, you know. And in 97, I opened up this company and I started to think about it. I couldn't sleep a lot of nights because I started thinking about nine ways how to earn fees, which I write about in my book. And about two years later, I was like, you know, if I could just do a $10 million project, I could pay myself like a 5% development fee and a 3% CM fee, and I can run 10% general conditions. And my finance guy could take a little fee. And if I do property management, I can get a little bit of that. I'm like, this development business might be pretty good on a $10 million project. I could throw $2 million in my pocket. So sure enough, two years later, I get hold of this property for like 25,000 bucks. And next thing you know, I'm developing a $17 million project using other people's experience and other people's money. And that's kind of how it started in like a bunch of different directions, you know? Wow. Um, <laughs> oh my God. All right. We have to break this down. We have, we, I'm, I know we don't have time for it, but 
give me a little bit of an overview on the skyscraper development in Manhattan. Just how does that even work? I'm just, I'm just so curious about that process. Yeah, you know, it's a long process. And, you know, to build a skyscraper from start, you know, when you have this idea, it takes about three years. Now, the, the good thing in New York, you can never have like zoning boards and planning board meetings that you may have heard of. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. when you're doing multifamily, you got to go in and get approvals because, there's just enough red tape to get a permit in New York City. You have to hire someone to go get wait in line like a deli and get a ticket, oh you know. Yeah. So the key is, is you know what you can build where. And it, it's simplified in the sense that if you have a 100 by 100 lot and you have an FAR of 10, you can build 100,000 square feet on that property. You're not going to get any zoning changes unless you're going to like restore the subway next door and then they'll consider. And we do get, you know, some uh, what they call is a little bit of bonus FAR where you could throw an extra penthouse, which brings, you know, an extra few million dollars into our pockets. But when you do those deals, you have a criteria just like any other deal. You know, right now it's like around 1.3, you know, so if you you put a you know a million in, you want to get like a million three out, right? So that means you can syndicate it in over three years. If you whack that in three, you're dealing with around a 30% rate of return, which which you know is an investment criteria which allows you to syndicate, which you know yeah. is kind of what you do in, in the multifamily, you know, and business and, and asset management. And and no, and it's a lot, a lot the same. And what I joke about is, you know, what I learned is building a skyscraper is kind of just keep building a, you know, 30 store, uh, 30 houses on top of each other, you know, you're starting a cycle and, you know, the front end of like getting approvals, you know, is is similar, like, you know, to going and if you're building a house and the closeout, you know, the facilitation of the investment is the same. And what's the difference is the middle part. It's just a lot longer and very, very repetitive. If that gives you a little bit of flavor on, you know, the skyscraper, you know, you know, idea. Yeah. thank you. That it's so, so foreign to me, but, but sounds exciting. And, and uh, yeah, I can't, what's one thing that you, if someone asked you, what's one thing that would surprise me about skyscraper development in New York? Yeah. You know, the one thing about skyscraper development is, you know, the impact on the adjacent buildings, you know, there was a, a building that I did, and when you start to dig these deep holes, you know, you're running the risk of disturbing other buildings alongside. Yeah. And we always take precautions. And it was this one foundation I did. It was called the Seacamp Foundation, where you literally drill these caissons down 30 feet to rock, create a bathtub, and then dig the bathtub out. Okay. And what happened was, as we were doing this, the building started to lean. Now, before we start these processes, we put these things called telltales on all the adjacent buildings, and we set up automated surveying instruments so you could literally in real time see what's happening with the buildings and you know one day this alarm starts going off and the building was started to lean and, and it went you know went through a whole thing so i mean the impact on the neighbors you'd be surprised just on if the one thing is how much effort you have to put into being a good neighbor in new york city right <laughs> and, and have a little fun about it you know wow thank you thanks for sharing that yeah the leaning um, tower of 29th street turned it was almost the leaning tower of pizza you know like uh, it, it, it went to eight and a half inches and they were about ready to evacuate the building when we uh it'll be another day another story another show on how we had ultimately had rakers put in place steel rakers to stop that until we were able to inject like concrete volleyballs underneath the foundation to make the soil more dense. It was really interesting and uh, an engineering phenomenon, you know, wow. at the end. Wow. 
what <laughs> oh geez i can't even imagine that just the pressure to make sure yet yeah, you're not falling your building's not falling on, on your neighbors and <laughs> yeah i, I said that there goes gonna go my license after this one i was like <laughs> wow but, uh, um, okay, so I know you want to get into the this story about um, assisted living, right? So tell tell us just uh, how'd you go from skyscrapers to assisted living and s- set this up for us a little bit? Yeah, yeah, and I think, and I'll try to hit it from a couple different contexts because you know, with you being you know involved in multifamily and us knowing some some brothers out there, you know, that, that do some similar things, we want to give some value, you know, and one of the things that I got involved early in my career was in assisted living. And it was, it was like a multifamily project in the sense that, you know, the, the management aspect of it was something that was key. And, you know, on your assets, you know, you don't, you don't put all your eggs in one basket with your property managers. You want to diversify in case there's an issue. So there was a whole property management conversation. There was some asset management conversation stuff there was some critical mass conversations because I only owned one assisted living, you know, who does business development, you know, who's the relationship manager in that industry. So it, it became pretty fascinating, but I'll tell you the story about the assisted living. You know, I had this dream and wanted to go into development as I was telling you, because the fee story was keeping me up late and had a chance to play at this golf club for an outing. I felt guilty because I couldn't afford to join a country club. But during that round, I started daydreaming like, what if, you know, what if I could join a country club? And at the end of that round, I asked my wife if I could take some money out of the account because I felt that proximity was power. Mm-hmm. And if I could get myself around people that I believe power, you know, could have been a little punch drunk back then, just, you know, thinking like money was more than it was because, you know, we realized money's green. It does what it does, but there's a lot of other components to be successful. Money's one component of it, but I had this proximity as power thing. And at the end of that round, I ended up joining that country club and raising $1.7 million to, to build the assisted living. So the proximity power thing theory made, Great tip. you know, paid off. Yeah. But the, uh, the assisted living process worked out well and, and how, you know, I could get some tidbits is, when I first started that, I was like, wow, assisted living, you know, how am I going to manage this? So if you were in the case and I got to get a property manager, I was like, well, who manages assisted living? And I come to find out one of our competitors, but in the Southern Jersey area, Meridian Healthcare Systems was going to come in and manage the property. Now, like anything, and maybe in some of your businesses, we're always concerned about who's going to stay on the field because people mm-hmm. have a tendency to step off the field, get in stands and watch the game, right? But we want people entrenched and committed to the project, right? So how do you do that? You incentivize them with some, some ownership, right? So in our case, with this entity coming in to manage our assisted living, we, we incentivize them with some ownership. And as we went down the line, we realized, you know, wow, we're in the assisted living business, but we don't really have like a director of marketing and a director of business development. And we don't have that relationship manager to build you know, more assisted livings. And, you know, eventually after doing my second one, I decided to move into more multifamily ground up development, but that's a little bit what I got out that may open up some questions for you and see, we, see how we can give some more value to the listeners, you know, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so many places to go, but just where do you, so were you developing this assisted living facility? I, I was, yeah, I was fortunate to, to lock it up um, with a $25,000 refundable deposit. And then I went into a, a three tranche raise 
And uh, we ended up developing that and cutting the ribbon, you know, about 13 months after, you know, after getting approval. Wow. Very good. Um, and so what, what, what is your plan? Uh, assisted living is not something I know a lot of people are, are into it right now. They're, it's something that is becoming popular, you know, multifamily investors are, you know, maybe going into that space. So just maybe just talk us through the process of, of building it and filling it and staffing it and, and just what do we need to know if we want to get into that uh, that business? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I'll and I'll I'm going to broaden it right up for you because I'm going to give you the context of kind of the, the assisted living, which is believe it or not, when I did it 20 years ago, the demographics were pointing in the direction that are actually screaming right now. So there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of conversation about converting hotels that are struggling yeah. into assisted living, and you know, as far as putting it all together, and, and maybe we could segue a little bit into. What I, what I realized and what I was doing on that assisted living facility was using the modern wealth building formula and building it using other people's experience and other people's money, where today, you know, even if you're in the business of real estate, you could take that clue because success leaves clues and expand your business with that theory, let alone if you're getting started, use the theory to get started, you know, and I think maybe that's where the listeners may. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go in any different direction. Yeah, let's, but let's the right living. I'd love, love to hear about it. And we, we absolutely yeah. were going to save about uh, five, 10 minutes at the end and, and talk yeah. the book as cool. well. For sure. Yeah. So the assisted living just to, you know, you know, keep everything in perspective. And I always like to keep it simple, silly, if you can, you know, is, you know, the assisted living process and, and any type of real estate, the way that I look at it, and it may just be my view, change your view, change your, your life, you know, um, is, is how I look at it is assisted living is, is almost like any type of development. There's just a health component into it. And it's just another variable in the equation or a risk factor, right? Now, the beauty of the assisted living now is that we have a feeder system, right? Because people are getting a little older and and the assisted living is needed, and it, it's actually relatively convenient. I've, you know, now not only developed a few assisted living, but you know, my parents are in an assisted living, and they're in an assisted living because it's built comfort in my heart, and you know, it's it's a way, you know, when you get to that age, you know, it gives a little assistance to them. It doesn't take away living. You know, my, at my father's assisted living, there's a putting green, there's a bocce ball court, they have their own car, you know, and Today, you know, with with things going on and, you know, I want the normal to come back. I don't want the new normal. You know, people are taking these options, you know, and and creating, a, you know, a healthy senior living atmosphere. And people not only could develop, a, you know, assisted living, they can buy, they can hire, you know, 55 and above living and then have what they call as a continuing care community where they can go from senior living into assisted living, and then you can have long-term care. And the opportunities are, are you know, across the board. And, you know, I, I still, I'm, I'm out looking into what everybody else is looking in, but, you know, and, and then it comes down to creating your unique heroic identity and your gravitational pull, because when there's competition, those are the items that are going to help, you know, the cream rise to the top. So I love that phrase, your unique heroic identity. Tell us about yours. Yeah. Well, you know, my unique heroic identity is, you know, I've been blessed to be able to build some skyscrapers, but I, I truly think my unique heroic identity is, is identifying what's truly important to people and what they care about. And in that process, leave them with more power, freedom, and self-expression and peace of mind. And, 
with the ultimate result of bringing them to their greatness. And, you know, that's what it's all about. That's my why. Wow. What a, you're a giver, you know, it's so, so educational. Thank you for, for sharing all of that. Where and how do you start thinking about writing a book? Tell us about that process a little bit. Yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't easy for me. You know, I, I look back at some of my writings when I was in high school, my dad, uh, he, he used to say some interesting things like, Kenneth, I never really understood what you wrote on a piece of paper, but you did turn into a pretty good writer. But, you know, I was one of those guys where I'm, I, I guess you could say I had, a, you know, back in the day, a little bit of ADD, you know, where I have a lot of stuff in my mind. So things were circling. But I, um, you know, I, I mirror and match people. So I, I found someone who was a best-selling author and I, I said, how do you start a book? You know, and he said, you know, it's it starts out with all your big ideas. And I had a lot of big ideas. And I, I literally spent, a, a, you know, one of those brainstorm sessions just writing down all my big ideas. And it was a, it was it was far fetched, you know. And from that, I derived a table of contents of 11 chapters on what I wanted to write about. And it was a it was all it was constantly in uh, what should I say? Uh, in progress and, 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 you know, and, and evolving. Well, so yeah. you know, I had preliminary chapters and then, and then this guy said to me, and when you get that, he says for each one of those chapters, write down three questions that you want to answer to the person mm-hmm. that's going to read it in that chapter. And I literally took that format and the hardest part was staying in one chapter at a time. So I literally went around my house and I put different color pieces of paper. I'd have pink, bright orange, green, and each one had the chapter title. And when I would think about stuff that was going to go in a different chapter, as I was walking around my house, I would write it down on that specific paper for that chapter, which would wow. keep me focused on the one chapter. And there were some chapters on the average, it came out to one chapter a month because I wasn't a great writer. And uh, some chapters would come out of me in a week. Another one would take two months. So it came out as an average of one. And then at the end, I had like two proofreaders. I had a proofreader and then like a professional author write it. And then eventually it kind of got to a manuscript. And then I I called someone who was a a nine-time number one international bestseller because I figured success leaves clues. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, Divya, how'd you become a nine-time number one bestselling author? She goes, well, I could show you how to do it. And, you know, I paid her a little money at that time. And um, she helped me figure out, you know, because I didn't know how to set it up like on KDP because I I, I missed the whole part. You got to figure out that you want to self-publish, go to a big publisher. (laughs) In today's world, if you want to eliminate friction and have a book like within one year, you'd have to self-publish. So she showed me how to set up the KDP and the Amazon. And thank God, you know, it hit number one in 29 categories in four different countries. And, you know, it wasn't a New York Times bestseller, but, you know, it, it did get some accolades and I get to pay it forward. So that's what it really came down to. Well, that's a pretty cool insight into that that production process and, and writing. I love the post-it notes all around your house. So let's get into the content. Give us a, a quick summary and, and really who is this book for and, and what do you want, you know, the reader to get out of it? So the, the modern wealth building formula is a find, fund, and facilitate system that you can blanket on any type of real estate. So when I first started it, I, you know, I did it on my assisted living. And then I tried it out on a skyscraper that I did at 240 Park Avenue. And then we did some commercial acquisitions and then we proved it out in residential wholesale and fixing and flipping where we did 137 deals in one year. I was a CEO of a company called Flipping NJ 
and uh, we, we really blew it out in eight different counties and just had a great time. But it has a little twist to it just because of my my heart with Tony Robbins, another partner of mine, Sean Callagy from Unblinded Mastery. And, you know, with the self-development and the three components, you know, the four components of the modern wealth building formula and how it really came about, you know, I had this, this, you know, one of those days I was a little scrambled. I had a bunch of words going around in my head. You know, I've always, you know, Tony Robbins was always true to my heart and I was all about massive action and like the M came, came to mind. And I literally had just finished a course with landmark education. It was on wisdom and the W came to mind. And the next thing I, you know, I was, I've always been a leader. I'm talking about leadership, but you know, I, I said, I'm going to be a bold leader and, and, you know, the B, you know, modern wealth building. And then the form, the, the F came from just forward thinking, you know, I'm, I'm like a, 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 a disagreeable giver sometimes, you know, like where <laughs> I just, you know, I, I like to disrupt, um, you know, I, I have a, a certain way that I think is going to work. And, and when I, those name, you know, those letters were scrambling around, like I said, well, modern wealth building formula and, you know, and as I, and after I wrote the book, I was like, wow, you know, this thing is, it, it's how I mastered real estate investing, but it really applies to every business because every business, you have to find a business, you have to fund a business, you have to facilitate a business. You have to use what I call the unblinded mastery formula. That's what Sean Callagy created, you know, the, the, the formula of bringing more magic time and money into people's lives and using the 10 indispensable elements that he talks about, which starts with love. You know, a level five listening and really understanding what people want, validation and acknowledgement and, you know, and, and, and just getting down to business. It's, it's really all about integrity based human influence, because when you have integrity based human influence, you're not taking advantage of people. You're not selling people, right? They want to merge ecosystems with you to create a better place. And when you come from a place where you give more value in your ecosystem than you're taking everybody benefits. Everybody benefits. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Um, so can you give us um, some, one, let's, let's end with sort of one piece of advice that we have not covered from the book that you think uh, can be most powerful to our audience, you know, people that are building businesses that are operating, trying to buy apartments or, or run apartments yeah. effectively. Uh, give us some, some practical and, uh, and uh, yeah. lower minds, yeah. will you? Yeah. Yeah. The book, um, you know, I think, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I learned this through Tony Robbins, you know, the book, you know, helps and it, and, and it's a little related to sports. So if I were to say, you know, everybody needs a little bit of a pregame warmup, which could lead to a bit of a paradigm shift. And, you know, what that happens is in the book, you know, I bring you through uh, what's called as a mindset acuity exercise because I believe that there's a lot of things that we don't see that are right in front of us. And the first aspect is to open you up to things, something that you may not see. So it opens up, you up to a new view and a new listening. Once you have a new view and listening and you reestablish what your investment criteria and what the context of your investment criteria is, because when you look at my finger and if I'm pointing up at the, the lift going up on the crane, or if, if it's a number, that I'm trying to tell you, or if it's a body part, there's a different context, you see? So you need to understand the context you're in. And that's how it relates to your new investment criteria, which is based around your goals and lifestyle. So that's what I call as my pregame warm-up. 
that I'd recommend no matter where you're at in real estate is, you know, you're taking a new sprint. It requires a little pregame warm-up so you don't pull a muscle. But what that sprint's going to lead you to is another whole view. Absolutely. Wow. Super great. Uh, loved having you on the show. Uh, tell everyone again, where can we get the book and where can they find out more about you or, or connect with you? Yeah, KenVanLu.com. We have all kinds of free golden nuggets. There's a new 2021 free outlook that's going to be out in a couple of weeks. But KenVanLu.com, you can get the book. I believe uh, pay for the ship and it's for free. There's a 45 minute strategy session. If you want to talk to me, I actually, you can actually get in touch with me and we can talk and I can help you figure out if you were confused, like I was getting started and which direction you want to go. That's what I'm here to help pay it forward. What a great offer. Uh, KenVanLu.com. Guys, if you need links, social, uh, link to the book, all of that will be on our website, truemultifamily.show. Ken, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate having you here. Absolutely, Justin. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.